Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of June 1st through June the 7th. This week, we have a square between Mars and Venus retrograde at 14 degrees Pisces to 14 degrees Gemini on Tuesday the 2nd. On Wednesday, June 3rd, uh, Venus will be making its inferior conjunction with the Sun. Uh, it's Kazemi moment, so a start of an entirely new Venus cycle at 13 degrees of Gemini. On Friday the 5th, uh, Mercury will be sextiling Uranus at 8 degrees of Cancer and Taurus, and then we're going to be experiencing our full moon lunar eclipse at 15 degrees of Sagittarius and uh, Gemini, respectively. And then on Saturday the 6th, the sun will be perfecting a square to Mars at 16 degrees of Gemini to 16 degrees of Pisces. Uh, in addition to that, Mercury will be moving into the second decan of Cancer, and we'll talk about the Three of Cups. Essential dignities for the week. Uh, the sun is in the second decan of Gemini, where it is peregrine. Um, we have the, uh, it is in the terms of Venus. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, from 12 degrees to 17 degrees. Saturn is retrograde in the first decan of Aquarius, where it has domicile, rulership, triplicity, rulership by the daytime of the air signs and is the, in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Jupiter will be retrograde in the sign of Capricorn, um, the third decan where it's in its fall. Uh, it is in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. Mars itself will be in the second decan of Pisces where it has triplicity rulership by the nighttime. It'll be in the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees and then the terms of Mercury from 16 to 19 degrees. Venus is retrograde this week in the sign of Gemini, where it is on its own terms from 12 to 17 degrees, and then the terms of Jupiter from 6 to 12 degrees. Mercury will be moving from the first decan of Cancer into the second decan, where it does have some dignity by face in the second decan. It'll be in the terms of Mars from 0 to 7 degrees, and then the terms of Venus from 7 to 13 degrees. The moon, of course, is waxing from its first quarter phase to the full moon eclipse phase. Uh, it will have dignity by face in the first decan of Libra. It will be in its fall in the sign of Scorpio. It has dignity by face in the second decan of Sagittarius. And then it will end up in its exile, having triplicity rulership in the nighttime in the sign of Capricorn. Okay, so that's kind of the overview of the astrology, uh, the technical astrology for the week. I just do want to... Um, give a little bit of a disclaimer with the forecast this week. I know that uh, a, there's a lot going on um, in, in the collective, in our communities. Um, I've tried to make this forecast a number of times and just felt overwhelmed with emotion every time I tried to speak on something and not really sure what to say about what's going on except for that I'm sad. I'm frustrated, I am horrified, and I hear all of you out there who are feeling the same, and I support you, and I hope that we're working towards a more just, fair, equitable, and hopefully eventually more peaceful society where everybody has the right to be themselves and has equal access to resources and to um, be, being treated fairly. So I just wanted to say that and 
um, I'll do my best today. I'll do my best to, to try to be as objective as possible. And, and hopefully you'll find value in the astrology. Um, it's sometimes astrology doesn't feel like enough. And that's part of how I feel this, this week. Um, some of the things we're experiencing in the collective are uh, the result of decades and centuries of um, challenges. And just because we're seeing some of it peaking right now doesn't mean that these aspects are just the cause of it. Sometimes we see, we have to think of astrology as uh, a clock that is telling us what time it is. And sometimes we get uh, these indicators that are saying, well, this is the, the time where many past events are culminating in our current experience. So I want to I want to you know preface everything I say with saying that that this is something uh, that's been building for quite a long time, and it's not just Venus retrograde that's doing something or whatever. This is uh, the 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 times that we're experiencing are, are extraordinary times. They're extraordinary times of of uh, civil unrest, of of challenge, of chaos of change. Hopefully, the, this is a time where we're moving towards, um, like I said, a more equitable society. And it's very difficult for me to find the words to, to express uh, the gravity of all of that. And I'll do my best, and, but we'll see what happens. Okay. So before we get into the dailies here, one of the things that I wanted to explain astrologically is that a lot of our experience that we've been um, living through lately is, can be seen in some of the relationships right now between the two malefic planets and the sun. So I wanted to start out by showing you Monday, and I'll move the chart here to put the sun on the horizon. And one of the things we're going through this week is the, the two malefic planets, Mars and Saturn, um, applying to an aspect to, um, to, I'm going to experiment with some new types of drawings here an aspect to the sun, okay? And we have Mars making an aspect here. So you could see that we have a square from Mars happening, an overcoming square, and a trine from Saturn. Now this is a, a condition called a malefic enclosure. So Mars is casting its 12 to 13 degree ray on this side of the sun, and further in the zodiac at around 12 to 13 degrees. The sun on Monday is at 11 degrees of Gemini. And Saturn is casting its ray right here at about one degree from Aquarius to Gemini. 
And then this, so that what that does is put, that puts the sun right in the middle of these uh, aspect rays from both of the malefic planets. And both of the malefic planets are in superior positions. The, the superior position is when a planet is earlier in zodiacal order in an aspect. And it, the ancient astrologers uh, thought of that planet as kind of uh, having a little bit more, um, having the upper hand in the conversation. So when we have two malefic planets that are exerting more power over a planet, that can feel very oppressive. That can feel very um, limiting. It can, in the case of Mars, it can be something that is, uh, you know, stirring up activity, anger, violence, um, you know, speeding up some of these things, some of these qualities, whereas Saturn is generally the, the contractive quality, uh, the one that is enacting discipline, um, that is giving us an awareness of our limitations. And that's really the context that we're going to be experiencing our entire week under, and that we've really been experiencing the last week uh, as well. Because this, this malefic enclosure has been fairly active um, for a little while now. Mars is, you can see that Mars is within a three degree range of its connection, of its square connection with the sun. And anytime a planet is within a three degree range, um, it, it becomes more, uh, we feel it more intensely. The ancient astrologers thought of an aspect as uh, having various degrees of intensity. When a planet came into a sign, uh, a sign-based aspect, a whole sign aspect, that's like the planet was becoming aware of the other one. Uh, like imagine you walk into a room and you become aware of someone else that you that you know or that you are intending on having a conversation with. When the planet gets within the three degree aspect, we have a situation where you've come face to face with them and the conversation begins. And then when it perfects, there may be some kind of either consensus or argument that happens. And then as we as the aspect fades, you are seeing the repercussions and a separation. So Mars and the, and the Sun have been kind of having this conversation over the last week. And while Saturn isn't in a degree-based trine necessarily with the Sun, it is part of the, the conversation by whole sign. So what, let's, let's think about what that means because this is really part of our lunar cycle this, this week as well. So Mars in the overcoming position. Mars is being provided for right now by Jupiter in Capricorn, a place of its fall, okay, a place where we're trying to find connection to our higher selves, we're trying to find uh, confirmation and stability, but those things aren't as readily available because Jupiter is retrograde, uh, which means that its significations are having difficulty manifesting on the material plane, and it's a, in the position of its fall where it is in a, in Saturn's sign. It's in a sign that is making Everyone very aware of uh, being feelings of being excluded, feelings of limitation, uh, the feeling of like sort of hitting our head against a brick wall, and and a feeling of the the challenges inherent in a system that may not be serving everyone equally. And this is this is complicating for that for what Mars is drawing upon. So Mars is automatically in a place of 
a poorer condition because its host is not happy. And Mars in the second decan of Pisces, it, I, I talked about this a little bit last week, but um, Austin Kopic describes this as a place of the, the demiurge. And the demiurge is, is the creator story that I told last week about Prometheus and Dolus. Prometheus was the, the figure who was trying to craft um, man from clay. He was the master. And Dolus was the apprentice who was uh, watching the master. And then when the master left, tried to make his own version, but ran out of clay before he could finish the figure. And, uh, you know, sort of like the, the sorcerer's apprentice in that, that old Disney cartoon, like kind of chaos all broke loose. And, but the master, Prometheus, was so moved by Dolus's attempt that he put both of these figures in the kiln and eventually those figures became truth, aletheia, and pseudologos, falsehood. And so we can talk about the, the, the demiurge being a, a, a sort of a, a creator. And in this case, in this particular decan, we may be seeing a confusion with Mars applying to Neptune as to what is true and what, what is false. And we are going to be seeing some, some narrative crafting happen as well. Um, there's been many uh, stories in the news about potentially people who are trying to craft the narrative um, through violence. And that's something to, to, that is part of our, uh, our story that's playing out right now. So we've got Mars here in Pisces applying to Neptune being hosted by Jupiter in its fall, connecting to Pluto. And then Saturn here is retrograde as well. So our ability to um, perhaps either have patience, to, have, to work within the limitations, uh, to have an awareness of the, the people on the fringes of the exiled is also not functioning at its, at its, at its best or at its highest either. It's, it's um, a planet where um, is associated with the quality of nemesis. And as I've described in some past videos as well, the quality of nemesis was about balancing out the randomness of fate that we can see when we explore 2K. And sometimes by doing the hard work and by doing the, the mature thing, uh, we can bring balance to some of the more randomized um, distributions of fate. They, they considered Saturn the quality of punitive justice. And you can think of this ab about like being in, in prison and rehabilitation or things of that nature. The movie that comes to mind is the, the Shawshank Redemption. You can see like uh, a lot of different themes of um, isolation eventually leading to some sort of uh, shift in consciousness. And that can be some of the ways we can think of Saturn as well. Now, both of these planets are sending the ray in and are enclosing the sun, which is in the second decan of Gemini right now. And that is about, the second decan of Gemini is about uh, an awareness, the sun, shine, the sun, our awareness, shining its light on mercurial things. 
Now, Mercury is in the first decan of Cancer. In the first decan of Cancer, uh, we can describe as um, questioning or destabilizing the way that we feel supported or nurtured and the way that we, we give nurturing and the way that we receive nurturing. So those are some of the things that are on the mind of the collective right now that are providing for the sun in a decan that is very much associated with trying to hold opposites. Um, there are dual rulerships with this decan of Mars and Venus. If we look at the Chaldean system and the triplicity method that Austin Kopic suggests in his book, 36 Faces. And we can see that uh, there is a struggle to, to um, balance these very disparate elements. And that struggle is, is really uh, visualized in the tarot card, the Nine of Swords, where we see a figure who is laying awake at night with uh, their head in their hands, having a nightmare of sorts. In, the, in that first decan, we saw a figure that was bound and paralyzed by the proliferation of options. In this second decan, we're struggling with trying to reconcile all of those options. Eventually, in the third decan, we see that we've had to make a choice, and one of the choices had to be let go of so that the other could be, we could put our energy towards the manifestation and the support of the other option. So we're having an awareness right now of, of, of the differences that we have in our experiences. And that's creating a lot of civil unrest, especially with the malefics bearing down on that awareness and, and creating, again, narrative that may be confusing as to what is truth and what is false, and having us have a, an awareness of the exiled and the, um, the, the people in society that are on the fringe, that are not part of the quote-unquote inside group or the majority, the, the, the minority, we can say. Uh, that first decan was associated with the five of swords, conflict and defeat, where we could see a, a winner, a smug winner, and some dejected uh, loser in that conflict walking away with their head in their hands. And that could be a representation of how we've been living as a collective for quite some time in our society. We have people that have benefited from, uh, from a system that um, was very much stacked in their favor. And we have uh, another group of people that have been living under uh, the oppression of that same system. And Saturn is bringing an awareness of that and asking us to redeem it and to rebalance it through the hard work and through the maturation and through contraction. So that's the kind of uh, the, the gist of what we are, that is the groundwork that we are going to be, or the foundation we're going to be experiencing the rest of our astrology for the week. So I wanted to make sure I, I talked about that first. Now on Monday, June the 1st, the moon is going to be in the sign of Libra in its uh, finishing up its first quarter phase. Now during the first quarter moon, um, a lot of the uh, civil unrest and violence in places like Minnesota, Washington DC, Atlanta, Los Angeles, basically all over the country, uh, erupted on Friday, Friday night into Saturday as the first quarter moon was perfecting. It was a 
point of crisis within that new moon cycle in Gemini that is making us very aware of the differences in our collective experiences. And as we move forward out of the first quarter, we're going to be building in that tension as we come to the full moon, which is going to be a lunar eclipse. So on Monday, we're going to see some harmony between the lights, though. We're going to see a trine between the sun in Gemini and the moon in Libra uh, at 5.27 a.m. at 11 degrees of Libra. This, the moon is also going to trine retrograde Venus this week as well, or on this day as well, when it moves to 14 degrees of Libra at 11.20 a.m. Um, the big aspect of the day uh, I've already discussed with the kind of the, we don't have a perfection of this aspect, but this is going to be the, the backdrop that all of these lunar aspects are going to be operating within. So on Monday, we may see some attempts at negotiations. We may see some attempts to uh, have dialogues and conversations. I don't know if those conversations are going to go, how productive they're going to be because this Libra moon is being provided for by a Venus that is retrograde, that is uh, in going into its Kazemi moment into the heart of the sun where it is weakened. It is compared to a, a, a figure taking to its sickbed. So we have a very old Venus right now, a very elderly Venus that is uh, getting ready to be reborn in the fires of the sun or the furnace of the sun, um, but, it, but it may need some time to work out the new talking points. Also, the moon is going to be in a whole sign square with uh, Jupiter and Pluto as well, complicating the conversation. So those are the aspects we have on Monday the 1st. As we move forward to Tuesday, on Tuesday, June the 2nd, the moon is going to be moving from Libra into the sign of Scorpio uh, at 12.05 p.m. and moving into the gibbous phase where we're moving past that first quarter material crisis and into a refinement of whatever is going to be expressed at the fruition of the full moon. So on this day, the, the lunar aspects include that square to retrograde Pluto at 3.22 a.m., a square to retrograde Jupiter at 26 degrees of Libra and Capricorn. The square to Pluto is at 24 degrees. And then the moon will move into Scorpio at 12.05 p.m. The moon moves into uh, Saturn. I'm sorry, the moon squares Saturn retrograde at 2.37 p.m. at one degree of Scorpio and Aquarius. And then the moon will make a trine to, um, to Mercury at six degrees of Cancer at 10.40 p.m. So those are the lunar aspects of the day, a combination of many squares uh, with one trine. So a, a, a tense day. Uh, and this is going to be uh, underlying the non-lunar aspect of the day, which is the perfection of Mars squaring Venus retrograde. So there's a number of planets that are, we're going to be seeing in our, in our narrative this week. And in this case, the first one, the first big one that we have that's going to kind of peak is Mars at 14 degrees of Pisces, squaring Venus retrograde at 14 degrees of Gemini. And that happens at about 8.40 in the PM. Now, this is the first quarter phase of the Venus-Mars cycle. Uh, so a crisis point 
just like we had with the, the first quarter moon, where we may see a material crisis that comes in that greater cycle. The seed for this cycle was Venus conjoining Mars uh, at three degrees of Virgo on the 24th of August, 2019. So we have uh, in, in the synodic cycle or the relationship between Venus and Mars, remember every planet, uh, when they come together, sort of has their own narrative in relationship to one another. If we think of these planets as citizens of a community, they all have different roles in the community. They all have different um, stories. And when they come together, they're playing out um, their specific relationship with one another. And Mars and Venus have uh, sort of opposing um, agendas. Venus is trying to bring unity. Venus is trying to be a harmonizer, a peacemaker, and help us deal with our emotions, excuse me, in a cathartic way and release those very heavy feelings. Now, I would say on some level, Mars could be thought of in a similar way. I would say that that is one thing that they could share is the release of pent-up emotions. Um, so I think that that's one of the things we're going to see with this, uh, this aspect is an intense uh, emotional outpouring, an acceleration of catharsis with Mars heating up those Venusian um, you know, qualities of trying to process all these heavy feelings that we're dealing with as a collective and as a society. Um, the opposition of this cycle happens on the 9th of November of this year, and then the next conjunction happens on the 13th of July in 2021. Now we have, again, we have Mars moving through that second decan of Pisces and Venus moving through the second decan of Gemini. So respectively, Mars is going to be visually represented by the Nine of Cups, where we see a figure who is trying to figure out what is truth, what is falsehood, where to, how to create happiness from the spiritual center, and how that, that process is going to play out in its transition from the material vision, to, I'm sorry, from the spiritual vision to the material manifestation. Whereas Venus is in that decan where we're really struggling with uh, the dichotomy of holding opposition, oppositions and opposite and opposing viewpoints and many different options. Now, the, the, the difficulty of this square in particular, squares are very active. They create movement. They are of the nature of Mars. So they have friction. They have um, potentially conflict. It could be an argument between these two planets. There, we've definitely seen this play out in the collective. Um, the challenge that we have here is that Mars is in the superior position. So if you think about Venus trying to say, hey, let's unify the, the two opposing sides. Let's, let's come to some kind of consensus, which is what Venus tries to do in that second decade. I have this position in my natal chart as well, the second decade of of Venus in the second decade of Gemini. And that's always been something that's been important to me personally is making attempts to unify very disparate uh, opinions and, and, and people. It was, it's something that just I feel a lot of um, desire to do. And in this case, though, there is a few things that are making that difficult. First of all, Venus is retrograde, so she is, is kind of moving backwards. She is in her Kazemi phase. 
And Mars is the one that sort of has the foot on the gas right now. Mars is, is coming from, is said to be in a position of, of maltreatment of Venus. So our ability to create harmony is being undermined by potentially some of these violent, uh, violent acts, okay? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not singling out any one violent act. I think that, you know, that the violent act could be the violent act we're experiencing through uh, the systemic oppression and the, <laughs> like the, the literal murder that we've worked, witnessed on, on television over and over again. Uh, and also through, I, I want to really uh, make it a point that, that there is narrative crafting happening right now as well. And you could see this play out um, a couple of different ways. I've seen some articles that were circulating about deep fakes, where there's technology where we can kind of, um, it's becoming more and more, it's becoming easier to create digital images, moving digital images of people doing and saying things that they never really did. And, and it's being harder to dis discriminate whether those are real or not. And that has a lot of ramifications for us as a society and how we're going to gather our information and figure out what is true and what isn't. And I, I posted this and gave a shout out to Austin Kopic for his chapter, um, just as Mars had moved into the second decade. And he was like, you know, yes, that's the demiurgy in action right there. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think another th event that I think could be, um, that, that really stood out to me that describes this Mars-Neptune type of connection in that second decan is that there has been circulating some imagery of uh, a figure with gas, a gas mask and an umbrella and combat boots and a hammer uh, looking like he is attempting to escalate some of the violence by smashing in windows of a local business and there's been reports that there are people that are coming to these, what began as peaceful protests and trying to escalate them through guile and deception, which are one of the things that in Austin Kopic's book he talks about for the second decade of Pisces. So uh, I think that that's one of the things that's making the peaceful conversations very difficult as we have Mars, the god of war, acting in these maybe some somewhat devious ways to, uh, to undermine some of those peaceful conversations as well. So I think that that needs to be acknowledged also. Um, and it's very difficult as a, as a community to figure out what is true and what isn't. Um, you know, I, I believe that there was, it was later identified by um, this figure's uh, ex-wife that this was a, a police officer. This was a Minnesota or a Minneapolis police officer that was in disguise. Now, if that's true or not, I, I don't know. That's another thing where it's difficult to, to discern the truth um, because there's lots of different things out there where we're trying to just wade our way through it. So just be aware that, that people are trying to control the narrative through, um, through media, through um, trying to report things that, that may be true or that may not be. And us, we as citizens have the responsibility to... Uh, try to discern fact from fiction, as difficult as that may be at this time. And do I have a good answer as far as how to do that? 
Not really. Um, I would say fact-checking is important. I would say trying to uh, view as many reliable, objective sources as you can. Um, I would say that uh, try to, um, before sharing some of these things, make sure that what you are sharing is rooted in, in some kind of fact before it is put out there. Because I guess as citizens, we can, we can add to that narrative or that deception by sharing things that are categorically false. And uh, I think it's our responsibility as citizens to try to um, figure out what is real and what isn't. Um, you could also see this aspect playing out uh, where Mars was severing qualities of communication also. We had uh, our president, um, or the president, um, got, uh, got into a kind of a conflict with Twitter, a, a major social media corporation, um, because they were claiming that he was spreading false information and put a warning label on his, um, on his tweets, which, which he was spreading false information. He was talking about voter, uh, voter ballots and about the corruption that the, that, that method of voting could um, spurn and falsely claiming that ballots were being sent out to voters, which was incorrect. What was actually happening is that applications for absentee ballots were being sent out to voters, and that is why there was a warning label that was applied to his tweets. And um, so it's very interesting to see that Mars is, again, there is narrative crafting that is happening that is severing the ability to communicate, right? Um, so that being said, uh, we have this square perfecting from Mars to Venus. And we can think of this as Ares and Aphrodite that are, that are quarreling, right? And I think that it's important to recognize, too, that each of these planets has a role in, uh, in the community. And I want um, to talk a little bit as well about maybe what role the malefics have in our collective stories. Because a lot of times what we do in astrology is we say, you know, we, we have really have a reductionist viewpoint. And we say, benefics, good. Malefics, bad. And, and I think that that is, um, that is a little bit of a too, too simplistic of a way of thinking about these, these planets. And I think one of the ways that you can think about this is that we live in a, a cyclical world. We live in a cyclical experience of time. And if you think about this from a, a Taoist perspective, we have energy that is continually cycling around. We have periods of growth. We have periods of decay. Uh, benefics were said to be more conducive to the to life and to growth, whereas the the malefic planets were more conducive to death and decay. Now, each of those is necessary to keep the cycle spinning. Um, if you think about this in just a very simple natural uh, metaphor, um, we have uh, a balance in nature that is uh, keeping the the ecosystem healthy and in this you know in the case of like crops we plant the fields 
we use the benefic rains and the benefic warmth to allow them to grow, then we harvest them. And then like you could think of almost like uh, the harvest could be maybe even a Mars quality where we're severing the, the plant, we're severing the fruit or the, the vegetable from the vine. And then Saturn comes along in the winter and contracts that plant and composts it down and to eventually lead to the later fertilizer that helps the system, you know, accelerate all over again. So I want you to th start to think about those. I, I believe in my very, uh, very, um, I guess, naive understanding of uh, Greek philosophy. It's something I'm still really wrapping my head around. But I don't think that in these ancient systems, they had as much of a, um, a black and white type of thinking, um, a polarized morality. There was a lot more gray area in the way that they saw moral issues in ancient, in ancient times. And I think that that needs to be acknowledged when we think about astrology in, in this matter. Um, because a lot of times we recoil when we see these malefic planets um, which is understandable as human beings. It's, it's unpleasant. Um, contraction, severance, separation, violence is all things that are, um, you know, not things that we enjoy. Uh, but, but I think that one of the things that, that traditional astrology in particular has helped me with is coming to terms with those things as part of life and coming to terms that they're a necessary part of a human life, that only by experiencing some of the lack of light, the darkness, can we really appreciate the light that we do have in our life? And sometimes we have to walk through the darkness to get back to the light. And that, I think that it's, it's an interplay between light and darkness. And as you can see in the yin-yang of Taoist philosophy as well, there is always a seed of darkness within the light and a seed of light within the darkness. And there's, it's just a, co a continuous interplay between those two qualities. Um, and I think aligning with that is important. And, and there will be times where the darkness uh, is ascending, but have faith that the seed of the light is within that. And I think we're in a period right now where darkness is ascending, violence and chaos is ascending, but the seed of the future um, flowering, the seed of the future light, is that's we are walking through that right now. And we need to walk through these times to get to that next cycle of growth and of awareness and of equality and of peace. Okay, so that, let's move to Wednesday, June the 3rd. On Wednesday, June 3rd, let me get my chart here moved forward. Okay, on Wednesday, June the 3rd, we are seeing a, an opposition between the moon and Uranus at 2.16 a.m. at 8 degrees of Scorpio and Taurus. There is a trine between the moon and Mars at 11.44 a.m. at 14 degrees of Scorpio and Pisces. And then the moon will make a trine to Neptune at 10.14 p.m. at 20 degrees of Scorpio and Pisces, respectively. Now, the big news of the day on Wednesday, is that we will be seeing the renewal of Our Lady Venus. Okay, so I'm going to point this out here. We've got this uh, 
this Kazemi moment, this inferior conjunction between Venus and the Sun at 13 degrees of Gemini. Now let's talk about Venus's synodic cycle for a little bit, uh, recognizing that this moment will be as, as Venus changes from an evening star to a morning star, that does help to break up the malefic enclosure that we talked about earlier. So this could be a real pivotal moment on Wednesday, June the 3rd. So what happens with the, the Venus synodic cycle? Well, in ancient times, there were certain uh, folks that thought that the, that the morning star and the evening star Venus were two different bodies. And they called the morning star Venus Lucifer or Phosphorus, which means the bearer of light. And they called the evening star Venus Hesperus, which means Western or Westerly. And I'll show you a little bit about the cycle so we can kind of unpack that. So what we have is these things based on the horizon, this being the east, this being the west over here, the east being at the ascendant, the west being at the descendant, south being here at the MC, and north being here at the, the uh, IC. Okay. So you can think of over the course of the day, planets rise over the horizon in the east, culminate in the south at noon or at the middle of the day, and then set in the west, and then circle back around to the very lowest point where they're invisible underneath the horizon in the north. So planets will appear either in the daytime on the over the eastern horizon or at the nighttime in the western horizon based on whether they are rising before or after the sun. So what we've been experiencing for the last uh, cycle here is that Venus has been the evening star where she rises after the sun and appears on the western horizon at night. And that is where she is called Hesperus, where she is in her very feminine phase, where she's very receptive, where it may be more an internal experience of Venus, um, where she is the, the harmonizer, the peacemaker, um, she is the receiver. Morning star Venus is more diurnal. There, they were saying, they, there's various authors that say that a morning star Venus is more like the warrior Venus, where there's, it's a more active quality, there's a more young quality. We could see more activism for the qualities of peace and unification, fighting for beliefs, expressing uh, discontent in an attempt to, uh, to unify. Um, and this happens when the, uh, the, at the inferior conjunction, which is what we're experiencing on Wednesday. So here's how it works. The inferior conjunction can said to be, is said to be the beginning of a new Venus cycle. Venus cycles last about 584 days. Okay, roughly a year and a half. And what happens is we have the inferior conjunction, which is the Kazemi moment when the Sun and Venus come together, where Venus is uh, renewed in the, in the furnace of the Sun. And then she starts to rise before the Sun in her morning star phase. And there's a separation that occurs between Venus and the Sun. And she will get about two signs away. Uh, her greatest degree of elongation is 48 degrees. I don't know if it always reaches that greatest elongation before it turns retrograde or before it reverses course, okay, and starts to come back around. 
right? So all the while, while in the first part of the morning star phase, Venus is still retrograde. And that at a certain point, it will station and go direct, switch directions, and come back direct into another conjunction with the sun. And that's called the superior conjunction, okay? So that's another phase. That's like the full moon phase of the Venus cycle. And then it will be direct, direct, direct. It'll emerge from the beams of the sun, okay? And then it will be an evening star direct. And then it will station again, turn around, retrograde, and come back to its retrograde inferior conjunction, which is the phase that we're talking about now. So you can see that we've got these kind of four distinct phases of the Venus-Sun cycle, okay? Remember, Venus doesn't get more than two signs away because of these kind of uh, retrograde and direct cycles here. All right, so we have this transition of Venus into that morning star phase where we may see, we may have more visibility about our attempts to create unification, our attempts for catharsis and to deal with these heavy emotions that we are experiencing as a, as a community. Um, the seed of this will be in the second decan of Gemini. So those themes are gonna be present throughout the synodic cycle. And again, I, I go back to that seven, I'm sorry, that nine of uh, swords type of energy where we're having a lot of um, mental duress about our differences and about uh, destabilization and about uh, how to reconcile um, things that are different. So uh, this is this is a it really does echo the themes that we're going to that we're seeing play out in the collective right now is how are we going to bring more unity to to disparate elements in our society to bring about more peace. All right, so that's what I've got for the the, the Venus Kazemi moment on the third of June. Uh, as we move forward to, oh, one, one other thing I wanted to say about that is they also associated Morning Star Venus with being a little bit more of the nature of, of Taurus and the Evening Star a little bit more of the nature of Libra. Now, I was looking at the Thema Mundi, and in the Thema Mundi, Taurus is on the 11th house cusp, and Libra is on the 4th house cusp. And you can see that we've got Venus ruling a diurnal, a house in the diurnal part of the chart and a Venus ruling um, a house in the nocturnal part. So I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Um, whereas we've got a more sensual uh, earth-based Venus where we've got a more idealistic Venus at night, which is more idealized, okay? More about the, the forms rather than the, the manifestation of it. So I think, I think that fits with the narrative as well. When, we're, when we have this evening star Venus, we may be, uh, you know, trying to draw upon those, that inner idealism as far as how we want to create peace. And then when it, it goes into this uh, morning star phase, we may see manifestations of it on the material realm. All right. So here's what I've got for Thursday, June the 4th. All right. On Thursday, June the 4th, the moon is moving from Scorpio into Sagittarius at 1.16 p.m. It'll be in the gibbous phase where we are building towards that full moon. 
The moon goes under the bond at 2 p.m., roughly around 2 p.m. at zero degrees Sagittarius. And this was a, a point in the cycle where the moon was said to be kind of held captive. Uh, the, remember, the moon was a, a, a body that surrounded the Earth sphere uh, and allowed think, celestial energies in from the other celestial spheres or let them be released. Like So it was like forms were coming in and forms were going out of being. And you can see that in the in the mythology around and the, the just the observation of how the moon waxes and wanes over the course of a month. And when it's under the bond, it may be a point where the moon is going into that kind of furnace area uh, where it is blocked out by the sun, and it's more difficult for us to bring things into manifestation. And we're getting you know ready to reveal something that is kind of cooking in the oven, basically. Uh, the moon on this day is going to be sextiling retrograde uh, Pluto at 4.26 a.m. at 24 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. Um, it's going to also then sextile retrograde Jupiter at 7.36 a.m. at 26 degrees. Then in the afternoon at 1.16 p.m. it moves into Sagittarius. And then it will make a sextile from Sagittarius at one degree of uh, to one degree of Aquarius, where Saturn is retrograde at 3.43 p.m. So we don't, we're going to be continuing on with our building to the full moon on Thursday. We have a couple of supportive aspects. So this day may be a, a slightly less contentious than the, the previous days where we had lunar squares, uh, but we are still building to a point of great tension on Friday. So moving to Friday, June the 5th. Okay, on Friday, June the 5th is when our full moon lunar eclipse perfects. So everything that we've been building towards in this particular cycle comes to a peak of lunar energy, lunar solar energy at this time. So let's unpack that. Um, give me one second. Okay. So let's move our chart to the degree of the full moon, which happens at 15 degrees Sagittarius at around 3.12 p.m. So here you can see that we've got that opposition happening. And full moons are always uh, opposition between the lights, okay? Uh, the sun and the moon. And eclipses are special lunations because they are uh, said to, they're said to be chapter markers. Uh, eclipses happen when either the sun or the moon, one of those passes, the earth passes between one of those bodies and blocks out the light from one of them. And this is hap always happens in astrology when we have lunations near the nodes of the moon the North Node and the South Node, or Rahu or Ketu, respectively. And in, in Indian astrology, or Vedic astrology, Jyotisha, they considered these two bodies the head, the severed head of a, of a great snake or a great dragon that was lusting or thirsting for the uh, elixir of life, of immortality, and the South Node, which was its severed body that was processing old karma and where forms were going out. You can think of the North Node as things coming in, and the south node is things going out. So in this particular case, we have the moon making a 
fairly close contact with the south node of the moon and the sun making close contact with the north node. Okay, so we are increasing our sense of destabilization, diversity, our mercurial nature, and we're trying to decrease or something is going out that is related to Jupiterian themes of belief system, confirmation, unity, uh, dogma, okay? So really we have a, a, a Jupiter-Mercury story with this eclipse. Now, um, we are seeing that this, we have to think about that part of our story here and part of our narrative is that square from Mars and Neptune. So we have the opposition between the lights and then we have the square between Mars and both of those lights as well, adding tension, adding severing quality, adding this you know confusion, this narrative crafting type of thing to the mix. Okay, and of course we still uh, have these malefics making aspects with Saturn is still aspecting this as well. Although Venus is trying to intervene uh, between that enclosure experience that we're having um, as she's moved past the Kazemi. All right, so who is providing for the lights in this eclipse? Well, Mercury is providing for the Sun and Venus in this story from the position of Cancer 1, uh, where we are thinking a lot about how we are being supported, how we are nurturing and receiving nurturing. Um, we're thinking a lot about our collective uh, families and how we create intimate relationships, what groups we are a part of, what, who are our kin. Okay, those are something where our, our, our experience of what is kin can be destabilized with Mercury being in the sign of the moon. It, we can feel really, it can feel really disruptive as how we are receiving our nurturing. Okay, the first decade of cancer was associated with the mother and the child, uh, of union, of body and soul. So this is going to be informing our awareness uh, at this in the, on the solar end of the eclipse. On the lunar end of the eclipse, we're having Jupiter, who is retrograde, in the third decan of Capricorn, conjoining Pluto, providing for uh, the lunar part of the story. This is where we have uh, we're trying to reconcile old you know belief systems. Uh, we the moon may be drawing upon an old system though with with a retrograde uh, Jupiter, and it, it's in a place where we are trying to compost uh, a hierarchical system that is no longer serving its communal members, and we've seen this with a, just you know a lot of the issues that have come up recently, even just as a result of the pandemic as well. I haven't even mentioned that we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, so that's crazy times we're living through for sure. Um, but what we're trying to do here is we are getting an awareness of maybe how our old belief systems from a previous hierarchical structure, a previous power structure are informing our feelings of separation, of difference, and things of that nature. So that is part of the story as well. Now, who has the upper hand in this conversation? Well, I think Mercury is in a little bit better shape since it's not retrograde, it's not in a position of its fall. Uh, and so I would, I would pay a lot of attention to those feelings of 
wanting to create nurturing for people. Uh, and that is what is being asked to increase is our, our feelings of compassion, our feelings of, you know, empathy, our feelings of mothering, uh, of wanting to take care of other folks, of other people, maybe even people that are different than us, maybe using positions of privilege to take care of people who are, who don't have uh, that power. Uh, and, and asking ourselves questions as a society, how do we take care of each other in a more equitable fashion? What needs to be let go of at the, this full moon eclipse? It's, eclipses are endings, especially full, full moon eclipses are endings, whereas new moon eclipses can be powerful beginnings. And this is one where we're having a powerful ending. Old, outdated, systematic belief systems need to be composted and released that's what is being asked for at this collective, by the collective at this lunar eclipse. And whatever that may be and whatever that may look like for you, uh, the, the astrological symbolism is speaking more towards um, releasing outdated beliefs. Okay, what's Mars adding to the mix? Tension, uh, guile, deception, confusion, uh, perhaps even a... a a lack of, of uh, energy, although I, I haven't seen that. I've seen like the energy is increasing. Um, I say that because Mars is making a connection with Neptune. And from my experience, when a planet makes a connection with Neptune, it's like, you know, it can lead to increased confusion. It can be like the wind is going out of your sails. Uh, I will say this, when, when Mars does make its conjunction with Neptune, it'll happen in the third decan of Pisces, which from what I've read from my favorite source is all about what sacrifices are you willing to make for your idealism? Um, he calls it a cup of blood or a bowl of blood. And it, it's, it's about, it is the Mars rule Deccan where we're making sacrifices for what we've decided is our higher self. So that could be part of the equation here too is, we're trying to discern truth from falsehood, and eventually that is going to lead to what are we willing to give up for our, uh, for our freedom, for our equality, for justice, for our beliefs, our, our, hopefully our new beliefs that are coming in uh, that are more fair. Okay, uh, what else? We've got Venus part of, as part of the mix here. I think I've gone over the Venus significations. Um, the moon will be making a square to that uh, to Mars at 15 degrees at 3:44 p.m. Earlier in the in the day, Mars makes its opposition with retrograde Venus at 9:57 a.m. Okay, so one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is, as a Hellenistic astrologer, one of the things that I've started to look at is what happens when the moon escapes the bond. And I will move forward to to Friday. To talk about that. So let's look at Friday, Friday, June the 6th. Okay. So on Friday, June the 6th, the moon escapes the bond at one degree of Capricorn about 6.30 p.m. That's one of our big moments where we may have something that, that speaks to what we brought to fruition at the full moon eclipse. You know, when the moon is under the bond, it may not be clear what the fruit on the vine really is or what it looks like. 
when the moon escapes the bond, uh, the theory is, is that we get more clarity about what, what, what we're actually dealing with. And the first aspect that, that the moon makes will speak to the nature of that, um, of that culmination. Now, uh, at 12.10 a.m., before we have that escaping of the bond, the moon will make a square to Neptune at 20 degrees. It'll move into Capricorn at 3.44 p.m., and then it will escape the bond at 6.30 p.m. And eventually, it's the first aspect that it's going to make is an opposition to Mercury in Cancer. Okay, so there will definitely be themes with this full moon about how do we provide for our domestic uh, community and what are the structures in place that support that. And they, it will be in opposition, which are of the nature of Saturn. There will be conflict. There will be potentially a stalemate with that. There will be potentially, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, we'll get to a place where you're kind of running into the brick wall, where the conversation may be very difficult and there may be disagreement about it. Um, so watch out for that as we move forward in the, the, lunar, the lunar eclipse. Um, the other aspect that's perfecting on Saturday the 6th is, a, is the square between the sun and Mars at 16 degrees. So you can see this here. I'm going to erase this for a minute. So this is that the, the perfection of that, that aspect that we've been really dealing with for over a week now that's bringing awareness of our, you know, our separation and our, uh, our differences. Now, the two cards associated with that was despair, the nine of swords, and the nine of cups, which was called happiness. And we, I've, I think I've really kind of unpacked this when I talked about the square between Mars and Venus. But now we have the sun that's being maltreated by Mars. Um, and this, again, is going to affect the excuse me the narrative that we are experiencing now when it was happening with venus we could see significations that are more related potentially with themes with like the the sacred feminine with with women there could be themes that where f female voices are really speaking out at the square with venus uh and then when we have the square with um with the sun this could be more about our our leadership or it could be some, some masculine qualities that are being affected. This could be, you know, something where we hear more escalation from people in positions of power where they're making attempts to craft the narrative. Uh, and, and it's a, a time that I would say that it's really important to really um, be aware of, you know, and try to get as much information as you can about what is really happening. Uh, and it, it could be an escalation of some of those themes that we're seeing where leadership may be trying to incite more violence through um, the, the way that they communicate. And I guess what I'll say is try not to get tr triggered by it as, as much as you can, because I, I really have a feeling, I have a feeling that that's part of the game that's being played right now. And, and is that how can uh, the powers that be destabilize us as a community um, through the, the falsification of information to, to make us fight with one another. And I would say 
uh, I don't know. I don't know how to, to move through that. I think a lot of the anger is justified. I think even the, the, a lot of the civil unrest, you could even justify that on some level as well. Um, but I do think eventually we are going to have to find consensus as a community and we'll have to do it through the power of truth, not through this power of falsehood that we've been bombarded by on a, on a daily basis to the point that major social media companies feel the need to put disclaimers on communication from the head of the state of the United States of America and, and of other countries as well. They've been doing this in other, um, in other regimes also. Uh, those are the times we're living in. It, it's kind of mind-boggling. I, I, I'm trying to process all of it as just a human being living through history with all of you. And uh, I don't know. I don't have great answers yet, but I do know that with the North Node in Gemini, asking the questions is important and really uh, double-checking all your information, I think, is going to lead to more well-thought-out actions. I really love the four agreements when it comes to don't make assumptions. This is a moment in history where we can't assume things based even on the first thing that we see. We have to you know, cross-reference it with many different sources and many different, um, you know, I think, with many different people to figure out what, what the reality of what we're seeing actually is. I think that's super, super important at this moment and I, I wanna emphasize it because when we make assumptions, that's when we can kind of have a lot of hurt and a lot of conflict that is um, could be based on false information. All right. So let's move forward. I got one more day here with Sunday the 7th. And we have a few lunar aspects on Sunday the 7th. Uh, the moon's going to be in Capricorn. Hold on a second. So I'm going to move my chart forward to the 7th here. So on Sunday the 7th, the moon's going to be in Capricorn. We're still in our moon, full moon phase. Uh, we're going to see a trine from the moon to, to Uranus from 8 degrees of Capricorn to 8 degrees of Taurus at 7.08 a.m. We have an opposition from the moon in Capricorn to Mercury. That's our first aspect that the moon makes to a traditional planet. Um, I do think it's, it's interesting that we will see uh, the first aspect of the, the moon to Uranus. So, <laughs> you know, if we include that in our release from the bond, that could be interesting and a little bit disruptive. Um, but I think if I'm going to stick to the method used in a traditional system, I'm going to stick to those traditional planets as to, to what we're going to experience. Um, so some difficult conversations on Sunday the 7th uh, and, and really themes of like how we take care of one another within the system that we live in. Uh, the last aspect of that day is going to be a sextile from the moon to Mars at 10.06 p.m. from 17 degrees of of Capricorn to 17 degrees of Pisces, Mars right there. So that's what I've got for this week. The, the, in the aspects for next week, the eighth from the four, to the 14th are a square from the sun to Neptune at 20 degrees of Gemini to 20 degrees of Pisces. So we'll have a new decan of, of Gemini that we'll be dealing with where the sun will be asking us to make a choice. We have all these proliferations of choices and directions we can go. And the sun's going to be asking us to really start to become aware that not all of those choices are going to be able to be pursued if we're going to, to breathe life into the ones that deserve to be uh, brought to fruition. 
uh, on Saturday the 13th, we're going to have our last quarter moon uh, for, at 22 degrees of Pisces to the Gemini sun. So again, this is going to be like a, a, turning, a turning point in this lunar cycle where we may be asking ourselves really heavy questions, where we may have had a material crisis in the beginning. Now we have an existential crisis that we'll be moving towards on Saturday the 13th. And then finally, Mars will be making that his uh, conjunction with Neptune at 20 degrees of Pisces. So there could be, uh, this could be a moment where we run out of steam or we really are moving towards uh, the, that peak of that illusion and that, that deceptive narrative that we are having to work through. All right, so that's what I've got for this week. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope that this was helpful. Uh, I, I hope for uh, peace and safety for everyone. For for equality, I am I am with you. Uh, I I I want your voice to be heard. I I hope I can be support as supportive of um, furthering the narrative of uh, systemic equality uh, as I possibly can. I hope that this astrology was helpful. Um, I I'm doing the best I can with the information that I have, and and I I hope that um, we will continue to see the growth of. Uh, an ability to to. Mm, I hope that we'll see an ability to treat each other more justly and more fairly in the future. So again, I hope peace and safety for all of you uh, out there, and I hope for uh, the change that will bring that uh, on a on a level, on a, for for everyone uh, eventually. And remember, this too shall pass. This is part of a much greater cycle that we're living through. And we have to live through some of these dark times to, to, to rebalance uh, things that have kind of potentially gotten out of whack. So that's what I've got for this week. I care about all of you, and I hope that you're doing well and that you're uh, emotionally, mentally, physically uh, having an ability to, to, to weather the storm. And I, and I actually, I want to read one more thing to you because I thought this was really brilliant. Uh, my teacher, my astrology teacher, Bhava, shared this very wise and profound statement. And he, he compared what we're going through as to a massive storm. And he says, when a massive storm comes through, it happens for many different reasons. It is diverse. And a storm accomplishes many diverse outcomes. A massive storm is natural. It has natural causes based on the divine laws of nature. Nobody can really blame a storm for being a storm. And yet storms are undeniably destructive. They're also regenerative and life-giving. For some, the well-sheltered, a storm may simply serve as an omen or a sign or a warning. For others who aren't well-sheltered, they are utterly devastating. For some, the storm is the wrath of God. And for others, it is the long-promised reign of plenty. Beautiful words. Uh, so I hope that this is a, a, the rain that washes away and cleanses us for the new cycle. So that being said, I hope that you're all doing well. Uh, if you like these videos, make sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with your friends, uh, and I will see you uh, next week. So take care, everyone. Peace.